Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. This week, we go back to some power metal with Gamma Rays somewhere out in space. But before we get there, Chris, man, how are you doing? Uh, this week, I feel like I've I've been somewhere out in space. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say the 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 feedback that we've gotten for both the the Shadow Gallery career retrospective and and then the the subsequent interview with um Gary Warecamp uh has just been really uh o- like o- overwhelming in a good way I-, I i've been very um just very moved by a lot of the the kind words to say and especially getting feedback fr- from uh Gary Carl and Brent from from the band um and i just wanted to say thanks again to them and and also thanks again to Amy and Nick for making the the recommendation in the first place and kind of having the whole thing uh come to fruition so um yeah just a big thanks to to everybody that that's um shared it or uh gave it a positive uh word or or whatever um we're we're super super appreciative of it and we've been definitely riding a high because of it uh so far this week yeah no no question about that um obviously we we appreciate all the support and um you know, I, we have fun doing it, but you know, we're we're just fans. So when we get feedback from um, the band themselves, that was really, really, really nice. And quite frankly, it was really nice to hear from a lot of new people that uh, have have found their way to the to the show. Um, we appreciate that. Keep the recommendations coming, uh, the engagement on social media, the positive reviews, all of that stuff helps other people find the podcast. So um, we really, really sincerely appreciate that. We would ask you to keep that coming as well so that other people can find it and we'll do our best to continue to promote it as well. Uh, we had a bunch of recommendations come in this week actually and, and, and we would like some more because we want to do and cover what it is that you want to hear. So, so keep them coming. I, I do want to read one review that we had, um, this week. Ironically, it comes from Dr. Steen 21. Um, so I, I think that Dr. Steen 21 will definitely appreciate <laughs> this week's episode, obviously, which will focus on Gamma Ray and Kai Hansen. But, uh, I, hope that, we... I, hope, I hope that he's done the prerequisite listening to Halloween that would deserve him to have a screen name of that ilk. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that, I, I, I mean, that's, it's, it, it takes some guts. I, I'll, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that much. Um, but what he says is this. He says, Metal Warriors unite. This show truly rocks. Chris and Justin lead uh, with their genuine passion for all things metal and cover a wide range of bands, new and old, week after week, offering unique insights, personal experiences, and enough off-the-wall tidbits to earn you some points in your next game of Trivial Pursuit Metal Edition. Uh, speak, and, and if there was a Trivial Pursuit Metal Edition, I, I definitely would get my hands on that. Um, <laughs> these guys live and breathe their music. And the excitement is palpable. As a somewhat casual metal fan over the last 25 years, this show has helped me revisit some of my favorite albums of all time, while also expanding my horizons to dive into bands and albums I never gave the time to, or in some cases had never even heard of. I also enjoy their weekly hot takes on new music to check out uh, before they dive into their album of the week. If you enjoy metal, the show is for you. Uh, truly, truly kind words from um, the king of furry creatures, so we, we appreciate that. I um actually this is kind of interesting that we're doing uh this somewhere out in space album because I do believe Doctor Scene Twenty One used to moonlight as an alien in uh, Ralph's backyard. So um this this <laughs> is really gonna be circle. Yeah, yeah, I think this is really gonna be up his alley. 
We, we, we appreciate it. Uh, keep the reviews coming. As I said, it helps others find the show. Uh, but before we get into some Gamma Ray, what have you been listening to this week? And I have a feeling that there might be a tie-in here as well. Yes, actually, um, I have been listening to – actually, since I did the interview with Gary, I've been listening to just – I think I spent all of Saturday just listening to Shadow Gallery on Shuffle just because I was like just – so over the moon about the band and, and how, uh, how cool Gary was with the interview. And, um, but, uh, fi- I finally got to a chance, um, to sit down and listen to the new, um, Halloween single Skyfall. And, um, I mean, if this is just a taste of what this, uh, the full length, uh, self-titled album is going to be like, I mean, this is just, this is a, an edit, a seven, minute 20 second edit so um it's it's you couldn't cut this one down to four minutes this this, this is uh too much good stuff on too much meat on the bone but if you enjoyed pumpkins united this is kind of in the same vein as far as um you know kai hansen who we'll speak plenty of uh today and um andy darris and michael kisk all doing vocals it's it's more michael kisk than the other two but they're all part of the song um and oddly enough there are definite hints of Gamma Ray, I think, in this single. And I, I came to find out that Kai Hansen wrote the song, so it kind of makes sense. Um, but uh, I'm so excited to hear um, the other members of the band, like their compositions, like, you know, Waiki and Sasha. And and I'm hoping that, um, that Kisk also writes a song or two because he was always known for writing uh, like some really interesting tracks that kind of, um, we're a little bit off the beaten path when, when it came to the rest of the, the album songs, like, um, we got the right and a little time, uh, going back to the keeper era and, um, some really interesting tunes on, on pink bubbles and chameleon as well. So I'm hoping that he will get some songwriting credit on the new album, but, um, either way th- this single has got me stoked for the album. And I went ahead and pre-ordered that ridiculous like comes with like a Halloween clock and a Halloween <laughs> flask, I think, or something. I don't know. It was like all this nonsense that I don't need. Like go, a, go, bigger, like, go home with this one, right? Yeah. Got, like vi- I got a copy of the vinyl, a copy of the CD. I think I pre-ordered it on iTunes too. So, you know, it's not every day that Halloween releases an album that features Kai Hansen and Michael Kisk. So what the hell? I just went all in. Yeah, it is. It is a truly, um, I had the I had the hairs on my arms sticking up just being able to hear Kisk sing this stuff again, and, and I liked I liked the song that they had put out in conjunction with the tour, but I like this one even better. I just think it's um, it, it's a Kai Hansen classic, and, and we'll get into that obviously in a couple of moments. But um, it was it was great hearing him write for Halloween again. It's just uh, you know it, it's something we grew up on. It's something that I still love every bit as much as I did over twenty years ago. So it's it's it's. It's definitely a good one. We'll post it this week if you haven't heard it, although I have a feeling that many of our listeners probably do just because it is Halloween. But before we get into Gamma Ray, I, I, two other things I wanted to mention. There's an, a, a single that came out by a band called Terra Odium. It was called The Clouded Morning. Um, these guys are on Frontiers music, but sound nothing like the rest of the Frontiers lineup. These guys are... Um, it's a unique brand of prog metal that reminds me of like Nevermore meets Spiral Architect and... Part of the reason for that is a lot of these guys were in Spiral Architect, but it's kind of that guitar-driven, um, technical, progressive metal with a singer who's very much in the vein of a John Arch. 
um, I, I listened to the single a couple of times and it really started to grow on me with each listen. And, and a lot of other people we saw on the internet were raving about this. Uh, I'll post this this week as well, just because I think that there's a lot of people out there that will really appreciate this particular um, album, which, uh, or a song. And the album, I think, is due out in a couple of months. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And, and it's nice to see Frontiers kind of expanding their horizon, if you will, just because uh, they're fantastic at what they do, but there's so much other good stuff out there. They give them a nice platform. I look forward to checking that out. And and another uh, album that I know you have checked out because we went back in the archives for this. I put on Dragonland's Astronomy album from 2006 this week. God, what an album. I mean, you want to talk about a, a, an underrated power metal gem this is a absolute masterpiece, and I and I knew that because I've listened to it quite a bit. But I, I put it back on again for the first time in a while, and uh, it holds up. I mean, you want to? I, I believe they're back together and actually recording another album, or another album might be on its way real soon. Uh, and and I'm looking forward to that a lot. These guys are just fantastic. We should probably do a deep dive into this album, or at least one of the other albums in their catalog. I'd love to. Uh, this is uh, like a favorite album of mine. And um, it, it was, you know, Dragonland was always on my radar. But when they were announced to come to the U.S. and play at Prog Power USA, I really started to to really dive into their catalog. And um, I mean, Supernova is one of my all time favorite power metal songs. And, and there's just so many good songs on this album. Cassiopeia, Contact, Astronomy, um Really, really good stuff. Um, shout out to uh, to Jonas, um, lead singer of Dragonland. Super nice guy, really funny dude. Um, and uh, I'll never forget him asking why Nops was wearing a Matthias Weinhandel jersey in the courtyard at Pog Power. So. <laughs> uh, I asked the same thing. I'm not sure why anyone would wear an Islanders jersey, but that's, that's neither here nor there. That's a story for another episode. Um, but yeah, great stuff. Um, Nice to go back and listen to after after all these years. It, it, it had been a while. But without further delay, let's get to the reason why we're here. Your choice for this week, Gamma Ray's Somewhere Out in Space album from 1997. Uh, what really made you choose this? And, and, and I guess we'll start where we always do. How did you get into Gamma Ray in the first place? Okay, uh, that's uh, great questions. I'm ready to answer them. Um, so the reason I chose this... Um, as we were doing our Shadow Gallery episode, I had not actually chosen anything yet. I'd just been spending so much time focusing on Shadow Gallery and really um, ch- trying to, to nail down some of the, the stuff that I wasn't as familiar with. Um, I really focused hard on that. And I was like, you know what? Something will come organically. And it didn't. And then finally, at the end of the podcast, when we were telling the story about uh, seeing Carl Cat and James at the Gamma Ray concert, that's where it kind of s- struck me like, hey, have we done a Gamma Ray episode yet? And and I realized we hadn't. And I know that probably Land of the Free would be what you would assume I was going to choose just because I think like that's probably their most uh their most popular album, if I had to to guess. But the, I've always really had um, a, a, a love for, for somewhere out in space, which uh, came out after land of the free. Um, so that's kind of why I chose it. Um, my knowledge of gamma ray is, is interesting because when we, you know, in the mixtape era, when we were starting to get into all this kind of stuff, um, 
you know, Ralph, who, who was a, like our kind of our, our feed tube of a lot of this stuff, he wasn't really a big Gamma Ray fan. So I never really got to hear any. Uh, all I knew is that Kai Hansen had left Halloween to, to start Gamma Ray. Um, but it was, it was Pat who I'll never forget said to me, like, if you haven't heard Land of the Free, um, you have to listen to this album. So I just bought it, um, sight unseen or unheard in this case. Um, and, and needless to say, I was completely blown away. I lo- I couldn't believe how much better of a vocalist Kai Hansen had become since, uh, Walls of Jericho, which you could check out our, our review of in the archives. Um, and so naturally, uh, the follow-up, I mean, at the time, Somewhere Out in Space was their most recent album. So, uh, I believe Pat actually got me this album and gave it to Ralph to give me, and Ralph gave it to me at the beginning of the school day, I remember, and I had it sitting in my locker all day and I was just waiting to be able to get home and listen to it. Um, but at the time it was their uh, power plant hadn't been released yet. So this was their, their latest album. And I never really went back and listened to the anything before land of the free until much later on. So for a time, you know, Land of the Free and Somewhere Out in Space were pretty much my only knowledge, or at least deep knowledge of Gamma Ray. Yeah, and it's funny because when around this time, they were a relatively new band. You know, it wasn't like they had been around for, for forever or anything like that. They they kind of got together and released their first, um, you know, out, I guess they got together in like late 88, 89 after um, Kai Hansen had left Halloween and they record their first album around 1990. So they, they were, you know, a relatively new band when we started listening in around 97, 98. Um, I, I too started with Land of the Free and I was always a Land of the Free guy, if you will. And I always thought that that was kind of their magnum opus. Um, but I, I was so in love with that album that I wound up getting their live album, Alive 95. And the reason I bring that up is that particular album not only let me hear a bunch of those, you know, classic, um, Gamma Ray tunes, but they they had a couple of Halloween tracks on there as well, which, you know, obviously is a Halloween fan I loved, but there was a second disc on the album with six live tracks from the Ralph Sheepers era, which kind of predated this. And to me, um, it was very, very different than the Kai Hansen era with the two albums that they had had out at the time with, with obviously Land of the Free and Somewhere Out in Space. And, and I was kind of curious about that like old stuff but it took me a while to get my hands on it and it's funny we were interacting with somebody uh earlier this week and they said to they, they actually said that um their number three album of all time was Sigh No More which I thought was really really interesting because when a lot of people talk about Gamma Ray they talk about Land of the Free and a couple of albums that follow it uh you know that kind of took them into the 2000s you really don't hear them go back to that you know those those classic beginning albums and and for this person sign no more was their number three album of all time so i actually think we should probably go back and do one of those albums at some point because the music on those first three gamma ray albums is a lot different than what you would ultimately hear on somewhere out in space i completely agree and i think that's why um it was hard for me to get into it when i first heard it i I mean I, i don't know if it was just because of the, the, of Ralph Sheepers on vocals and I had gotten used to Kai singing. Um, but I, I definitely need to go back and, and listen to those three albums again, uh, because the songs that 
they play live from that era over the years uh, and the songs that they re-recorded for the, the, uh, the greatest hits album that they did in 2000, where they, they went back and re-recorded uh, everything from land of the free and back uh, with the current lineup um, or uh, just really good stuff. I mean, um, heaven can wait is one of my favorite uh, gamma ray songs of all time. Um, uh, Heading for Tomorrow is an epic, epic tune. Um, Rich and Famous is a fun track. I, I, there's there's a lot of good stuff. So, um, yeah, I agree that um, the, the older era, the, the Sheepers era, as you said, um, of Gamma Ray is definitely worth going back into and checking out. I mean, um, Uli Kush uh, was the drummer on the second album, Sign No More, and he would later go on to drum with Halloween for a while. So there's a lot of tie-ins. For, uh, between Gamma Ray and Halloween, obviously Kai Hansen being the the main factor. So yeah, I, I agree. Um, definitely, kind of uh, let it pass me by for a long time, and and I I, I really would like to kind of sit down and kind of like what I did with some of the later Shadow Gallery albums that I missed out on. Um, some of the early Gamma Ray albums I probably deserve a, be- a better better sit down and listen, at least as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I was so used to hearing Ralph Sheepers sing for Primal Fear, which sounds nothing at all like those first three Gamma Ray albums, that that was kind of my image of, of Ralph Sheepers because I got into the game a little bit late when it came to his vocals. Uh, and I've only really recently come to appreciate um his vocals with Gamma Ray. And again, I, I had a live 95, so I, I knew, you know, a handful of tracks, but I, I was only relatively recently in the, in, in the broad spectrum that I started listening to those old Gamma Ray albums. And there's some really great stuff on there. It's just different. And, and because I first heard Gamma Ray again, 1997, 1998, when I think classic Gamma Ray, I think of Land of the Free, I think of Somewhere Out in Space, and I think of their next album, Power Plant. And we could probably do a, an entire episode on just the compa- the comparisons and contrasting those three albums. But for, for this purpose, we'll, we'll try to keep it to Somewhere Out in Space, although I, I know that we will you know, have a little bit of a broader discussion at some point. Um, what were your thoughts when you went back and listened to this for the first time in probably quite some time? Uh, in a word, uneven. Um, <laughs> it's... Uh, the the first nine tracks are m- like as perfect of a power metal album as I've ever heard. I mean, it in my opinion, um, it's just one thing after another. Every song is so good, and then after that, it just gets kind of weird. Like, yes, I'm so happy you mentioned that. <laughs> like, I, I, I I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to echo those sentiments. The first nine albums. Nine, nine tracks on this album. If they would have stopped the album there, it would have been a perfect 10 to me. And I think that it would be go up there as the best power metal EP of all time. It's that good. And we'll get into the songs in a second. But something happens around track 10, Cosmic Chaos, which in and of itself is like a drum solo. And then it just falls off a cliff. Like, I mean... We'll get into it. But the reality is it falls off a cliff. And, and although there's one or two cool tracks, in my opinion, that come after it, it's it prevents it from being the best Gamma Ray album or the most complete Gamma Ray album, despite the fact that, again, the the first nine tracks are a 10 out of 10. It, it almost makes you wonder if maybe if, if the 
tracks were ordered differently if it would make a difference but um it's just odd it's just uh, like and and if you look at the songwriting credits you could kind of see why because um kai hansen writes the majority of the music in the first nine songs and uh henjo richter who had just joined the band this is his first album with gamma ray and he's still in the band to this day uh he wrote what I would argue two of the best songs on the album, Guardians of Mankind and and the Winged Horse. Um, and then uh, everything after that is, mo- I think is mostly written uh, by Dirk Schlachter, who um, was originally a, a, the guitar player for Gamma Ray. And with this new lineup of bringing in uh, Henjo Richter, he became their bass player. And he has been since then. Um maybe that's why maybe because they didn't spread out the so- like or they didn't mix up the so- the songwriting credits uh, like cuz it's 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 the first four songs are Kai Hansen songs it starts out really Kai heavy um and Dirk Schlachter um wrote both of the the ballads on this album which are are quite good and he also wrote um he also wrote the ballad Farewell uh which was on Land of the Free so it's it seems like Dirk is kind of their resident ballad guy. Sure. Um, sure. But uh, Lost in the Future is such a, is a, like, Cosmic Chaos, like he says, this drum solo, Dan Zimmerman, who's also making his debut with the band. Um, it's like a 45 second drum solo that goes into Lost in the Future, which is an odd track. And then you have Watcher in the Sky, which um, I don't know, like, which came first, the chicken or the egg, um, if it was the Iron Savior version or the Gamma Ray version that came first, but um, this song appears on um, both somewhere out in space and also um, one of iron saviors albums. It might be their debut album or it might be their second album, but I'm not sure off the top of my head, but um, so Pete Sal, Silk. I don't never knew how to say this guy's name. Pete's, Pete's Tom <laughs> yeah, Selleck. I, um, yeah, I've always had a problem with that as well. We'll just call yeah. him uh, Pete. Well, he, he co-wrote the song with Kai Hansen, and they both do vocals on both versions of the song. And that's a it's a good song, like typical Kai tune. And then you have the Rising Star instrumental uh, going into Shine On, which is kind of a a ballad. So it's I guess it, for me, it's really just that like the whole like lost in the future song kind of just like stops the album dead in my opinion, because it's just going on so strong. And then all of a sudden um, you get this like drum solo, like you're at some sort of like power metal concert and everybody else wants to go out for a smoke. And um, (laughs) so, yeah, I mean, maybe like, maybe I, I overstated saying like, like, the album drops off severely after track nine. Cause I think it's just that one song is kind of the low point of the album. Um, Cause after that, it's pretty much just watcher in the sky and shine on as far as full length songs go. But um, I guess it's just that the album starts out so strong, like all the way through. Um, I mean, wh- why don't you talk about um, the first nine tracks i mean i, I pretty much uh, yeah. just covered the i covered the end of it so why don't you cover the the beginning yeah so and i, I want to make a couple of notes at the end but i'll start with this from from the first notes of this album with beyond the black hole with the with the with the drum intro you are immediately you are immediately going 100 miles an hour into what is just like this phenomenal six minute opening power metal anthem 
and 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 let's just take a step back. The entire lyrical themes on on this particular album, uh, you know, aptly named "Somewhere Out in Space." You have um, "Beyond the Black Hole" is about traveling into the unknown with like black holes. Um, the title track is about um, Star Trek. Uh, the the landing and the going into the Valley of the Kings is about the arrival of aliens on Earth. I mean, these are this is not like the most uh, the the deepest of of topics here, and it's kind of a really stark contrast to what we were talking about last week with Shadow Gallery. You're not really listening to to this album for the lyrics, but the music on, on songs like Beyond the Black Hole, this power metal anthem with the double bass drum kicking the whole time. Or a song like Men, Martians, and Machines, which slows it down just a bit, but just this guitar-heavy, catchy, melodic power metal anthem to start the album. I mean, it doesn't really get much better. The the third track, I would say, is actually, it used to be one of my favorites when we were in high school and we were listening to this. I was always a big fan of No Stranger, and I thought it was very, very underrated. It's a slower track, and it's almost a, a almost a power ballad, but not really, especially when you hear some of the actual ballads that come after this. But, the, but those three tracks, I just thought were the perfect introduction to the title track, which is, to me the best track on the album the title track is it's perfect it is it is one of my favorite power metal songs i'll tell you right now it's my track of the week the way that they're able to go from 100 miles an hour to slowing it down uh and then speeding it back up again it almost reminds me of like a dragon force track with the way that they're just going like so fast but the catchiest catchiest chorus um blistering guitar solos and and Dan Zimmerman's performance on that song was enough to make him one of my favorite power metal drummers when I was when I was younger just because I couldn't believe that somebody could play like that Yeah, I'm with you on pretty much everything you just said. Um, I did not know this, um, and I read it on Wikipedia. Did you know that No Stranger was written for Michael Kisk's solo album? I had no idea about that, Um, and Kisk rejected it because it was too heavy. Yeah, uh, it's so funny because, again, I'm calling it a power ballad. You know, you got to go back. A lot of that uh, Michael Kisk solo stuff – as awesome as it is, it really just highlights his vocals and, and, and he had obviously moved away from, you know, this type of music. That was obvious. I mean, it was, it was remarkable that he got him to sing on the stuff on um, land of the free, because, you know, obviously he does uh time to break free, which is 
a lot heavier than no stranger. So it's, it's, it's interesting to, to me that he was able to, uh, to get him, but you know, they're, they're, they, they go back a long ways, obviously. Um, but yeah, no stranger was supposed to be on one of, uh, Kisk's solo albums. It's just, uh, they saved it for, for this. And I thought it was a nice segue between, again, somewhere out in space and, and men, Martians and machines, which is just this catchy, uh, you know, short, catchy song that they, that they, that they have. Um, but yeah, the first, we talk about the first nine albums. I, I would say the first, uh, the first nine tracks, the first four tracks for me are just perfect, literally perfect. I wouldn't change a note of it. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up the Guardians of Mankind. I never was a fan of the song. I, for some reason, it never really grabbed me. Although this time around, uh, kudos to Henjo Richter. He, it, it's a gem, and I just think I appreciated it more um, having revisited it. I was never a fan of the track. Um, back in the day, if you will, but it's it's a really really good track. Yeah, you were always more of a dude love guy, and <laughs> I think that's why. Um, I I always always love this song, and I still do. I think it's it's uh, it's such a great introduction to uh, Hen Joe's songwriting as a new member of Gamma Ray. He just gets right in there, and um, what a great little tune! Um, awesome chorus. Uh, he really. Um, I think he really utilizes Kai's vocals here really well. Um, big, big fan of this song. I think it's really, really good. And 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 then it it follows up by this uh, this intro, the landing, which is like the intro to Valley of the Kings. And talk about another um, absolute classic Gamma Ray song. And I God, I remember them playing it when we saw them at Gramercy at that show that we mentioned earlier that Carl Cannon James attended. And I remember being so happy because, you know, at that point in time, you don't know how, like what old stuff's going to get hit on when you're that deep into a band's career. And when they busted into Valley of the Kings, I was so excited. It's another, it's right up there with somewhere out in space as just a, a all time classic gamma ray, you know, power metal, just, you know, fast guitars, just real, just a real ass kicking song. Uh, and, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It is another, and again, it's another one of those fast power metal anthems. It's just, it, it's, it's perfect. And, and I say to myself, you know, I, I don't know why or how Kai Hansen was able to do it, but he just, I mean, the, the entire start of this album, or at least the songs that, that, that he had written, Go, they're up there with with many of his Halloween classics. You know, which I mean, I, we can go through them, but you know, ride the sky. Twilight of the Gods, March of Time, I'm Alive, uh, you know, Halloween. These are all, I want out, and I'm sure I'm missing others, but the Future World, these are all Kai Hansen tracks. So the track record is there. He is uh, one of the most gifted songwriters in all of, forget power metal, of all of metal. And, and in my opinion, if you had a Mount Rushmore of power metal, He's there. And, 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 you know, you had mentioned this earlier. His vocals had improved so much over the course of 10 years. He actually sounds really good on this album. And I, and I don't think that anyone would say that he was a great vocalist when he was singing on Walls of Jericho. But, you know, 10, 12 years later, he sounds good. I, I, again, nobody's going to mistake him for, 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 for uh, Freddie Mercury. But he was, he's a good singer and, he's, and he fits the music really well, especially at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. Kai Hansen is and always was a, a songwriting dynamo. I mean, he he wrote a lot of Land of the Free uh, with, and you could pick out 
even if I, if you were, weren't looking and I said, pick out the songs. If you, if I had to say there were four songs in this album that Kai Hansen didn't write, I, I bet you you'd be able to guess them just based on his songwriting style and just how his songwriting just outshines a lot of other, other people's songwriting. And, and it all sounds so different too. It's not like it's all the same formulaic right. stuff. I mean, he's got, like I said, he's got slower songs like no stranger blistering fast songs. And, and, and it's just, he, he can do it all. He's, he, he's perfect. I mean, listen, go back to the Halloween stuff. He does it there too. He's got, you know, he's got long anthems, you know, it, songs that are over 10 minutes long then he's got you know these these quick hits like i'm alive i mean it it doesn't get any better as far as i'm concerned not not in power metal anyway and when and circling back to this this upcoming halloween album that kai is going to be a part of um i think i mentioned it back on the walls of jericho episode geez what was that like our second episode Um, yeah way back um you know i'd mentioned that like for me kai hansen and michael wycath are the greatest songwriting tandem in in power metal history um so all the more reason i'm so excited for this halloween album because this is the first time we're gonna see the two of them you know co-writing songs together on an album since 1988 uh so that that's reason to be very excited um and uh and and to just kind of uh fill in the rest of the album you have this you know prey which is a um definitely a power ballad that you know like i said earlier uh, dirk schlachter has proven his salt as a, a really excellent uh songwriter when it comes to to ballads um this is a really nice song and then and then comes my track of the week the winged horse um this song is ridiculous It just starts out <laughs> with the guitar solo and it's just this song like you talk about Dragon Force, like this is a song that the Dragon Force guys probably were like in diapers when they heard it. But I mean like um it, it's it's just this seven minute power metal fast as hell epic that um everything about it is is incredible. Um I just love this song so much. I'll give credit where credit is due. You have been hyping this song for for almost 25 years, but you're consistent, if nothing else. Like if if you would have said to me, pick Chris's song of the week, I knew it was going to be the winged horse. I I have it written down already. I didn't need you to actually say it, uh, but I'm glad everyone got to hear it. Um, But you're right. This song is fantastic. And you want to talk about Hendro Richter's songwriting. I know that, like I said, I have a newfound appreciation for the Guardians of Mankind, but this 
this is the, the home run that he hit on this album. The Winged Horse is absolutely amazing. Uh, there's, there's no way around it. It's, it's the, it's the biggest epic on the album. It's the only song that clocks in at over seven minutes, albeit barely, but it's, it's just from the, from the moment it starts, it's a seven minute track that sounds like it's about three and a half minutes. Yeah. It, it's, it's a beaut. I, I remember playing it. I, I had a, uh, a metal radio show when I was in college, which I, is this like the first time I've mentioned that 27 episodes in, I think, um, I think it might be, <laughs> but, uh, I remember I'll never forget, um, getting a request from our friend Brian, um, he he would make these little masterpieces using Microsoft Paint. And um, he sent me a picture of, of Mike Tyson and it just said, um, play the winged horse or I will eat your children or something to that, <laughs> something to that effect. So and I remember being in the studio just laughing hysterically and thinking to myself, well, can't really say no to a request like that. So, um, <laughs> so I played the winged horse and... Uh, yeah, just to this day, like I hear that song and, and talk about a song that's just going to just amp you up and get you like if I worked out, I would work out to the song. Yeah. It, and, and you'd probably be uh, you'd be able to lift that much more. Um, but then, but but then 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 you have the drum solo, which we mentioned earlier, Lost in the Future, which to me is is uh, my least favorite track on the album. I'll, I'll say it that way. I don't think it's a particularly strong tune. Um it does make me laugh when they bust into the Oh Susanna guitar solo. Yeah, right, towards it, the it, end it is. It is. It is out there, right? I mean, like it is. It is. It's. That, I'll be honest. That's my favorite part, just because it's something I can certainly relate to. But like, it's. It's. I don't know. It's just not my favorite track. Uh, Watcher in the Sky, as you mentioned, I am not a huge Iron Savior fan. I don't know much of their stuff, um, so I, I, I will put that out there. Maybe I should go back and listen to it. And hey, if, if, if I'm missing Iron Savior or I, it's a void in my personal knowledge, hit us up. Let me know. I'll, I'll take the heat. I just I've never been a huge fan of the band. Um, and, and then I'll, I'll say this. Shine On is a particularly interesting track. When, when I hear that, it reminds me so much of another band. I'm curious to see if you can guess who it is, because to me, that song sounds like it should be on the album of another band. But can you guess who? Um... That's an interesting thing. And, and there's um, no re- there's no real relationship here uh, other than Dan Zimmerman, but he didn't write the track. Uh, I guess Freedom Call, if you, yeah. since you mentioned Dan Zimmerman. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of a hint. Shine On sounds like it should be on one of those early Freedom Call albums, at least to me. I, just the way that the song is structured, I actually like that tune a lot. And I think it's a strong way to kind of finish up the album. Um, even though it loses me towards the end, I actually think that that's an underrated tune. I like that a lot. Um, Wait, don't they have a song called Shine On on their first album? Yeah, I think they do, but it's but this is this is not it. It's just it's, yeah, that's very different. Yeah, <laughs> but but it, but it just it is interesting that they do have something by the same um, you know by the same name. You're right. It, it, I believe you're absolutely right, and it's that, that's a fantastic tune. That one I know very well, as is this. But it sounds to me like it could have been on a Freedom Call album. Well, just as an aside, that was the first Freedom Call song I ever heard. Um, <laughs> oh, no kidding! There you go. Yeah. Um, um, I, I do want to. I want to point out. Um, first of all, I agree with you. I think this is a really nice way to 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 tie a bow on this album. Is this really nice ballad? And uh, Dirk, um, actually, no, Dirk didn't write the final song after Life on Land of the Free, but that's also kind. I wouldn't call it a power ballad, but it is kind of a, more of a, a slower mid tempo song, and they chose to end uh land of the free with that and with this this is um you know i like when a band can write 
a power ballad strong enough that that it can finish off an album and they do a good job with it here and and it's cool it's actually i never knew this but um lyrically it's about a theory that that extraterrestrial life visited earth uh long before people and planted the seeds of of mankind and dude love and cactus jack (laughs) um and I thought that was pretty cool. And you can, one thing I will say, you know, you were talking about the, the lyrical themes earlier. Um, at least in this case, um, they were very consistent. Like almost every song has some sort of tie in with extraterrestrial life and outer space and stuff. So in that, in that way, I find that to be really interesting. But, um, uh, did you happen to listen to the, the Japanese bonus track, which is a, uh, a cover version of Uriah Heep's Return to Fantasy. I was curious if you... I did. And I'll say this. The bonus tracks, all, I, I would say all three bonus tracks, but that one in particular, it's it's excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And I will also say I don't know anything by Uriah Heep. I'm familiar with the band, but unless it's a Uriah Heep cover, I don't know the band. But hearing that song, I probably should go back and check it out because it's 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 really really solid. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of that song, and I think the other song I know by Uriah Heep is "Easy Living," and that's because DC Cooper covered it on his that's right solo album. And I'll never forget when I was in college, I uh, I set an alarm for class in the morning, and I, I guess it was set to just some radio station. And I woke up, and the original version of "Easy Living" by Uriah Heep was playing on the radio, and it was the first time I'd ever heard that version of it. Um, so, but I, I love this version that they do of Return to Fantasy. And oddly enough, another college story. I used to, um, I used to put songs that I had on my computer into a folder in, in for my uh, my copy of The Sims, so that if I was like going into build mode, instead of hearing like the boring game music, it would just play. Uh, whatever songs I left in the folder and return to fantasy actually was one of them. So when I hear it, I think of like building a house in the Sims and, and like, you know, moving furniture around and it's, stuff it's like funny that. Because of all tracks that you would have chose that one. It's kind of ironic. You know what I'm saying? It's, but that's, that's I mean, It's, it's a great, great tune. And they also do a cover of victim of changes by Judas priest, which obviously is a great song. And um, you know, it's, it's two, two solid covers and a, and a great, Another Kai Hansen tune called Miracle, which is also really, really good. Um, also found on their Silent Miracles EP. Yeah, and that, I think that was kind of like a... Was that the one where it was like a slower version of um, Man on a Mission? It was almost like a... Um, yeah, it's like it, they, it's the same like lyrics and, and whatnot. It's it's really, it's like really a, a medium paced version yeah, of it's it. Yeah, cool. it's cool. Um, you know, it's funny. We, we, we sat here, I, I listened to Somewhere Out in Space... Some of this stuff is literally as good a power metal as you can get. And, and I wanted to go back because I, I, I had opened by saying, you know, I was always a, a, a land of the free guy. And by that, I mean, I always found that to just be their, their, you know, their magnum opus. So I went back and I listened to land of the free as well. And, you know, it still holds up. I, I want to say that it's really, really good. Now that album too. It's it's not a perfect album, and and if we ever do a deep dive on it, we'll we'll, we'll really get into it. But there's a couple of songs on there which are not as good as the rest. And 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 so then I went forward and I went to Power Plant, which was the album that came out immediately after this. Um, and I, I'll say this: it's not a perfect album, but in just in term, but there, but there are again some top notch 
power metal tracks on that disc, which, you know, few bands can touch. I'm curious, and I guess I'll put it this way. You have three albums, each of which have some of the most amazing music anywhere. Which one is the most complete to you? You know, just looking at the the three classic, um, the first three classic Kai uh, albums, do you you have a favorite or do you have one which is, um, I guess, the most complete? You know, it's hard to say. And, and I think that the reason um, the reason that like we feel that way about certain tracks is that I think that just the, the, the best songs on these three albums are just so good that it, it just makes the other tracks all the more apparent that they're that they don't live up to like incredibly lofty, lofty expectations. Yeah, because sure. um, like on all three albums, there's a couple of songs that. I just think they're good songs, but they're set up against like a lot of really excellent songs. Um, like as far as power plant goes, like I'm not a huge fan of short as hell or heavy metal universe. I think heavy metal universe is the best uh, impression of man of war. I've ever heard another band do. Um, it is such a, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 if you took it and you put it on, um, Kings of metal, you'd say, Oh, this fits perfectly. It's just, unfortunately not a good gamma ray song. Very yeah. good man of war song. Not a good gamma ray song as far so, as I'm concerned. So to me, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this album in long form, but, um, if you take those two tracks off of power plant, you, I think this, that it might be, at, like absolutely 10 out of 10 perfect but you know i could say the same thing about somewhere out in space if it's just the first nine tracks and land of the free i think if you if you took out like gods of deliverance and salvation's calling and you're just left with like abyss of the void and land of the free and rebellion and dreamland and man on a mission man on a mission man on a mission is a totally different thing <laughs> um shout outs to oscar um it's just, you know, I think they're just victims of their own, like, incredible songwriting ability. And so it, I don't, it's so hard for me to say, because it really depends on, like, which one I've listened to most recently. And I have listened to all three of these albums this week. Um, I mean, gun to my head, I might say Power Plant, but... um but I might say somewhere out in space. I, 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 I just, it's so hard to say because yes. these three albums, like you said, have some of the best power metal songs ever written. Some of the best metal songs ever written as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I'll, I'll say this, you know, I, I think part of the reason I don't have somewhere out in space in the level or and to this day, I still would go with land of the free, but I think it's because of something you brought up earlier, which is just the way that it was constructed. If you would have taken a song like watcher in the sky and made it the fifth track, or if you would have taken a, a song, even like lost in the future and just buried it somewhere up front, I think that the continuity across the album would have been better and it might've made it stronger as opposed to what for me just kind of drops off a little bit after the ninth track. And, and whereas I think that the other two albums that you mentioned, both power plant and land of the three are just more consistent throughout, including the highest of the highs, but the lowest of the lows are just not all lumped together. (laughs) And I think that that's part of the reason I still probably go with land of the three. Yeah. Yeah. Like better pacing, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, before we, 
we rate the album, um, I, I guess we'd be remiss not to speak about that first time we saw them in 2002. Do you want to get into that for a bit? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, we've talked about Prog Power 3, um, quite, you know, quite a bit. And, um, you know, th- this will be no exception here. Uh, I mean, one of the, the driving forces for us to attend that year was uh, the, I, you know, the the uh, prospect of seeing Gamma Ray play their first show in the U.S. And, uh, I mean, mind you, so was Angra and Ed Guy and Threshold and, uh, you know, number of other bands. Um, and I think we talked quite a bit about it in the Blind Guardian episode that we did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was like a can't-miss uh, lineup. And Gamma Ray, for me, probably was at the top of the list of all those incredible bands that played. For me, that was the band I was most excited about seeing and and they did not disappoint and um when they went into at the end of the set they went into was was it i want out or future world or or both i want out they went into oh my the, god yeah ride I, the I, sky I, and i want out i lost my mind and i'll never forget um my first experience uh with glenn harveston curtain calling a band was uh when he closed the curtain on gamma ray when they still had one song left on their set list which if memory serves was send me a sign, I think we were, we saw the set list on the, the soundboard or something like that. And, and I, I just remember thinking that was kind of funny that, uh, that Glenn, Glenn has always run a tight ship and it's, you know, not being afraid to close a curtain on gamma ray is, is, is why. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, and I'll just say this. Um, th- there was probably no doubt after those two days that I would be, you know, a lifetime attendee of that particular festival because who else was bringing Gamma Ray to the States in 2002. But um, that particular set just sealed the deal for me. I was, you know, I, I love Angra. Angra went on after them. Angra is one of my favorite bands. We've obviously discussed them on the show as well, but um, this set to me was just absolute gold. And I, and, and again, this is close enough in time to, to these classic albums that you got to hear a lot of stuff off of it that you might not ever hear again. I mean, they played beyond the black hole, which was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and then I, I'll put a bow on it this way after power plant, they've released, you know, a number of albums and, for me personally, there's some good songs on some of those albums, but they don't hold a candle to the three we've been talking about. Yeah, it's definitely their uh, their their peak as far as I'm concerned, and obviously you agree. I actually went ahead and listened to No World Order um, after I was done with Power Plant, and while I, it's a very enjoyable album, it has some really good songs on it, it just doesn't reach the heights no, it's missing. It's missing something. I mean, and again, that's not saying it's if if you threw another if if it was an Iron Savior album, it might be great, but it's just it's just not to the level of some of the Gamma Ray tracks on Somewhere Out in Space or Land of the Free or anything like that. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't know that we talked a ton about the uh, the the lineup, but this is um, Somewhere Out in Space was the first time that this lineup, uh, which Gamma Ray would have. It was probably their longest running lineup in the history of the band. Um, they had uh, uh, parted ways with um, Jan Rubach, who was the bass player, and Thomas Nock, who was the drummer. And um, like I said earlier, Dirk was their guitar player. He moved over to bass. Uh, Henjo was their lead guitar player. Uh, Kai would, you know, also play guitar, obviously. And then they brought in Henjo and Dan Zimmerman on the drums. And, and this lineup would stay together. 
I think all the way up until uh, I think yeah, Dan was still on the album for Land of the Free Part Two, um, and he was on to the metal and and okay, so uh, the Master of the Conf- Master of Confusion EP in 2013 would have been um, the first uh, recording without Dan Zimmerman. So he, that that lineup stayed together for uh, quite a while, um, at least in, in music for a lineup to stay together for 17 years like that is pretty impressive. And I, I don't even think it was like musical differences or anything. I think Dan just retired pretty much. Yeah. Because he head. never did anything else. As far as I, as far as I know, he just kind of just hung it up. And, and to be fair, the last, you know, eight, eight or so years, they actually brought in Frank Beck to actually do lead vocals, which I thought was interesting. And, uh, I remember watching their, um, I guess it was their 25th or 30th anniversary show with you at your place. And, you know, it's just, you know, it was, it was good, but it was just, it's different when you're, when you're not seeing Kai singing or even Ralph Sheeper singing just to have some, some uh, new guy come in and sing. And they've been kind of dormant for, for a number of years, both before that and then after that show. So it was, uh, you know, a little bit different and, and, and it's, it's nice to go back and hear some of the classic stuff because that's what I'll always remember them by. Um, Scale of one to ten, what are you, what are you giving this album? Um, to me, I would probably have to give it a. Oof, I'm, I'm wavering between um, a quarter of a rating. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, I would have to give this. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna split the difference. It's a nine point three seven five. <laughs> okay. Um, why were you wavering between the the nine nine and a quarter and nine and a half? I don't know. I mean, nine and a half is like rarefied air, and I feel like had it been like I said, those first nine tracks, and then maybe shine on at the end, it would be it would probably be a ten. Um, but I think that some of the other tracks bring it down a little bit. But I feel like to bring it down to a a nine point two five might be too much, considering that you have like six or seven incredible songs. So um, I stick by my 9.375. All right. I, 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 how can you argue with that? Right. Um, for me, it's an 8.75 and I wanted to give it the nine. I wanted to give it the nine. And I, but I just, the drop off just of, of three or four songs in a row was just too much. Despite the fact that there's, perfection on this album it's just not all the way through and that's why that's why i have to ding it but um i'm sticking with it that that's the rating um and and we'll go from there uh which brings us to next week and and you know i i there's the requests as i said have been coming in and we appreciate that and I, i have a catalog of all these things and we will get to all of them um and although it's not the first of the month, I actually want to hit another request that came in a while ago. Um, we're going back to Thrash, and we're going to do some Megadeth because um, a request came in for Rust in Peace, and I can't think of a better Thrash album to do than that one. Um, a, because I absolutely love it. B, because it, you know the request came in, and, and C, there's a lot to talk about here, a lot of meat on the bone, if you will. So uh, we're going to do some Megadeth next week. Yeah, that's that's exciting because uh, Megadeth has always been a band for me that um, I really like. As far as thrash bands, they're my favorite, but I don't really know like every song. Like I know the songs that you would expect that I know, you know, Holy Wars and Hangar 18 and Tornado of Souls and uh, 
uh, you know, Peace Cells and all the ones that were their bigger hits. So for me, like, this is definitely one of those albums where I could use some uh, touching up, I guess, in my, in my knowledge. So yeah, there, there, there's, there's, uh, there's a void in your knowledge if you haven't. Uh, heard some of that early Megadeth stuff and we'll get into the, the good, the bad and the ugly, but the reality is, uh, I thought it was a perfect piece, especially, you know, I'm kind of, you know, the Anthrax album that we did was not so long ago. This is, this comes out three years after, uh, Among the Living. And I just think it's a really interesting time in, in Megadeth's career for starters and just thrash metal in general because it's, it's kind of a turning point for, for the band, uh, in a number of ways. So I look forward to that. And uh, like I said, I look forward to um, I look forward to listening to some new music this week, which we'll which we'll certainly talk about before the show next week. Absolutely. Would you say "Rest in Peace" is uh, Megadeth's most well-regarded album, or do you think it's it's very like mixed to what people choose as their favorite Megadeth? Uh, album? Well, we, we will get into this more next week, but I, I think that I think that by and large, it's considered by many. Not necessarily me, but by many to be their magnum opus, just because of some of the the standout tracks on that album. But like I said, we'll something we'll we'll definitely get into, and I and I look forward to hearing your opinions on some of the uh, some of the lesser known tracks that uh, you know people don't necessarily think of first when they think of um, Rust and Peace, like Five Magics and stuff like that. But again. To, to, to be continued another day. So uh, with that, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate the support. We look forward to bringing you some more next week. And, uh, you know, go back. If, you ha- if you're new to the show, go back into the archives. There's some, some great stuff there as well. And uh, hit us up on social media if you, uh, if you want to engage us. We look forward to it. Yep. I, uh, I mirror those sentiments. Um, and uh, also thanks uh, to Mike for making the the request for rust and peace and we we apologize for it taking so long, but um, there's just been a lot for us to, to cover and things have come up and, and uh, you know, I, I, I tend to get sentimental towards the end of these episodes, but um, it's just been really a real pleasure doing this. And this week, especially with all the, the great feedback, um, you know, I just wanted to, uh, to just say this is thanks to everyone. Thanks to you, Justin, for being a, a great partner and, and, uh, I, I plan on continuing this uh, for the foreseeable future. This has been a really nice addition to, uh, you know, things that are part of, of my everyday life. And this last year has been, you know, a trial for everyone. So finding a, a cool little hobby that doesn't involve having to leave the house has been a real, a real nice thing. So. To- totally. I, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. So I'll, I'll echo those sentiments and simply say until next week, uh, stay with us and, and thanks for tuning in and uh, have a great week. Buddy. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.